You are listening to the EnormoCast. Hey folks, the word Enormo has long been used by EnormoCast listeners to get great coffee from Defiant Bean and now BonfireCoffee.com. But now the magic word is going to make you not only more alert, but stronger and therefore more attractive. How does this work? Is simply screaming it at the crux enough? Perhaps. But more indirectly, but effectively, you can now use Enormo to get a discount on pure climbing holds. Yes, it's time to build that woody and start training. Go to pureholds.com, P-U-R-H-O-L-D-S.com, and enter Enormo at checkout for 10% off your purchase. And while you're there, check out the Enormo hold. It makes a great international picnic day gift. We gotta get Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, you playing here? We're doing the... Uh... The Normo Dome, whatever it is, it's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place sold outside it out. of town. That's a big nice. place. You sold it out. I'll see. You really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a freight end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes. And Defiant Bean is now Bonfire Coffee. How did that happen? Don't worry about it. Jeff is still roasting delicious coffee that will delight your taste buds and will make you feel, smell, and seem more sophisticated. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Normo at checkout for a discount. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Normacast. This is your host, Chris Calouse. It is June 1st, about 9.30 Mountain Standard Time. This is episode 58 of the Normacast, being recorded in the mobile studio, which is sitting in my driveway. The mobile studio, which winters in Moab, has returned to Carbondale, and I'm hanging out out here because it does make a good sound booth, even if uh, even if it's not mobilized to anywhere. For some reason, I'm also drinking a warm Olympia beer. I don't know if that's important, but it's what happened to be in the uh, mobile studio, which does not have refrigeration, so it's warm. But uh, yeah, it's not bad, you know. Chris Schulte's on the show today. My uh, very first boulderer, 58 episodes without any pad sniffers. So Chris is my first boulderer. He's also going to be my gateway boulderer. He's sort of like my first toke of weed. Just a little hit on the pipe with Chris Schulte to tell me about bouldering. Tell me why I should do it. What's so great about it? You know, I have this prejudice against it, mostly because I suck at it. Also because I usually think of boulders as little kids or sort of the cool kids, you know, wearing their trucker caps and putting their DJ sets together and all that sort of thing. But Chris sets me straight. Chris is a soul boulderer. He's going to bridge the gap for me from the dyed-in-the-wool tradster all the way to those kids, those DJs, those dubsteppers that also happen to boulder. Chris shows me the way. He, he holds my hand. He helps me cross the gap. And hopefully, I too will start to boulder someday and gain its rewards. Doubtful at my age. I don't think I can handle it. But before we get to that, I want to bring up our new sponsor again. 
Pier Climbing Holds out of Grand Junction, Colorado, has decided to sponsor the show. If you go to pureholds.com, P-U-R-H-O-L-D-S.com, you can get a discount if you enter Enormo at checkout. The word Enormo does not just get you coffee now. It gets you climbing holds as well. You get 10% off, plus the Enorma cast gets a kickback. And you should check out the Enorma hold. They've molded it, poured it, created it, massaged it, rubbed essential oils into its surface, and presented it to the world, the Enorma hold. Check it out on the website. Get one for you, your friends, your mom. Tell her it's like uh, a paperweight or something. What are paperweights for anyway? Has anybody ever wondered that? Like, it is a thing, a paperweight. I don't know what it does. It weighs down paper, but why you'd need to do that, I'm not sure. Unless you're doing office work in a very windy place, I suppose. Anyhow, where were we? Oh, yeah. Peerholds.com, entry norma checkout. Also, I want to bring up the t-shirts. We do have t-shirts. I like to promote the t-shirts every once in a while. If you go to the EnormaCast website, EnormaCast.com, click on the t-shirt banner, you can go and order some t-shirts for you and your friends like your mom, whose paper is weighted down. Now she needs a t-shirt. Also, another way to represent is if you want a sticker. I've got new stickers coming, a new design coming this week. I hope if you want more of the old ones, some of the new ones, whatever, send me your address at chris at enormacast.com. I will send you free stickers. No problem. And if you did send me your address and you never got your stickers, please tell me again because I probably forgot. And I don't want you to feel bad like I just blew you off, but that's what happened. So there's a bunch of other things you can do to support the podcast over at enormacast.com. Click on the help out tab. And as long as you're emailing me your address for free stickers... I think we're about due for another listener mail episode. Episode 60, I've been trying to do them roughly every 20 episodes. So if you have something to say, question you want to ask, anything else, email me at chris at enormacast.com and you might get on the show. Okay, let's get to the interview. Mr. Chris Schulte holds my hand and looks into my eyes as we leap across the gap between old Tradster and punk-ass Pad Sniffin' Boulderer. And somewhere in between is Chris Schulte, which is why he's my perfect bouldering spirit guide. Um, All right, let's go ahead and put our phones on and see if we can hear each other still. Yeah, I still good. got you. Good, good. And you're good enough in there? Yeah, I think so. Okay, cool. This is pretty good. All right. right. Well, um, all right, we got our levels, we got everything. Welcome. Okay, um, I'm sitting in my, uh, in my kitchen slash living room slash common area with uh, Chris Schulte, who just came to town for the Five Point Film Festival, just arrived hot off I-70, hot off the construction. Second or third time to Carbondale? How many times have you been here? Uh, well, off and on throughout the years. Oh, really? probably, Yeah, probably three or four times, but it's always seems like I'm I'm passing through for some event. I've never really got to, to spend very much time here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a nice town for climbing, but there's nothing actually like right here in town or right outside of town like you uh, might have up in Boulder or whatever, but uh, it's definitely really centrally located, although we are big 
hole in our kind of thing around here is bouldering. I, I mean, we've got our redstone boulders up the road, which you've probably visited, I would guess. Have you I been have, up there? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A couple few times. Right. Yeah. And uh, But then there's a little bit of a void, unless you know about something none of us know about. You know, I don't really have too much in the way of secrets up here. Uh, there's uh, there's one or two things I know of over towards Leadville Way, but you, yeah, yeah. you've got you've got <laughs> Jeff Jackson. He, him being around here is a, a, definitely a big boon. Follow that guy around, you'll find all the yeah. blocks. Yeah, yeah, you'll find secret stuff. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so I mean, it's 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 definitely like one of the things that. I think people who live here who are climbers are kind of bummed about like there's not any quick hit bouldering. If you live here for a while, then those three or four good redstone bowlers get, you know, used up pretty quickly. Um, or things, although things break off up there all the time and, and you get a new problem all of a sudden, but having a good local spot is, yeah, it's, it's not the easiest thing in the world. I mean, yeah, you were saying maybe I, maybe I live in Boulder, but it's, it's kind of just in the name. It's not, it's not really convenient to Boulder there, you know, right. It's either winter or, you know, in the summertime, we're sort of close to good bouldering. You know, we're kind of close to Mount Evans and kind of close to Rocky Mountain National Park. But really, you're you're driving an hour and hike an hour right away. Right, know? right. <laughs> Not so cool for a bad weather day. Across the town, too, sometimes, which is a daunting task. That's, yeah, that's, in Boulder. that's true. Or the small mountain town with the New York traffic, New York style <laughs> traffic. So, but if if those of you out there in Enorma Castle are keeping track, that Chris Schulte, who's uh, who's graciously dis, uh, agreed to sit down with me, is in fact my first boulderer. Although we'll talk about it, he's been on a rope. Do you own a rope? I I, <laughs> I do own a rope. Yeah. Do you use yeah. it to climb up or to come and inspect? highballs and things uh, a little bit of each actually i guess i own a few ropes okay. I, i've got my my inspecting cleaning choss rope i've got my my choss top rope my rehearsal rope you know right my my anchor only rope mm -hmm. and, and then i have an actual climbing rope that i that i do use your, but i, I keep it pretty chill your yeah. friends and relatives come to town and want you to take them climbing rope <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah but most yeah. of my friends know me too well they they, they realize it's a it's a big show <laughs> it's right. all for looks <laughs> but we uh, we sat down um, a few weeks ago at the Red Rock Rendezvous and um, had a nice little conversation, which I think I'll have posted by the time this comes out as a little primer. But one of the things that happened during that conversation was that even in the 10 minutes or so, you know, you started to talk to me about a kind of some solo missions that you'd been on. You started to talk to me about being out in the in the wintertime in uh, in Indian Creek all by yourself or relatively alone in the quiet and you're looking at me you don't even remember probably some of the stuff you said but but right away it struck me as as you know you've got this connection to to bouldering and and in this case it was in Indian Creek and kind of hit on a lot of the things that I think connect me to the desert as this crack climber this guy that climbs on the rope and so you know I felt that great that great void that I feel, that great distance I feel between me and boulderers kind of start to close a little bit for a minute. And so that's when uh -huh. I was like, man, I got to have him on the show because you're, you're going to be my gateway drug. You're going to be my guy who's going to help me bridge this gap to the, you know, to the trucker cap wearing like pretend DJ boulderer right. that I've, I've, right lumped all the other boulderers it, into? It's, it's five panel caps this year, actually. And what, what's yeah, that? Yeah. See, I don't uh, even know. See, see I'm yeah, so out of it. Moving on, yeah. <laughs> a five panel cap? Yeah, dude. No. 
All right, all right. See, I'm I'm way behind. And the thing everybody's is, behind like a 13 year old skateboarder kid. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's 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 the watch right there. It's actually embarrassing your when, when someone my age <laughs> tries to wear something like whatever the hell you're talking about. I yeah. think personally, yeah. you know, have a little dignity. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and and no joking aside, I mean, I I like when you started talking about bouldering in Indian Creek and this like mission that you went on in the middle of the winter. I felt like, okay, I can get that. Like, I get it. I start to, I started to sort of feel this like little bit of kinship. And then I watched your video. There, there's a video going around that, that of you bouldering down there in Indian Creek. And, and again, so now I'm, I'm looking at images of this place that I know so well. And I even actually recognized where the, uh, where the wolf's head, what's it called? Yeah, well, yeah, it, it, we just called it the Wolf. The Originally, wolf. it was called Airwolf. Right, a nod to that pretty awesome '80s show with oh, the yeah, helicopter yeah, and yeah. Ernest Borgnine, and yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, for me, it's kind of just become a typical thing living in Boulder and, and being so close to to Boulder Canyon or to uh, to Eldo. Maybe Boulder Canyon's a better example, but um, just trying to go out and go bouldering after work and and having almost. 2000 roots you know 10 minutes from from the house it's it's been it's become pretty normal for me to to go up to a climbing area and find boulders where sure. typically you know people have just sort of walked right on by going to you know do a crack or a sport climber or whatever so it, you know it wasn't all that big of a surprise that's for sure there's so much rock standing around there and everyone i talked to said pretty much the same thing you know like I feel like the most bouldering that people have done out there is kind of on like a like a rest day or something. Oh, you sure. know, to take like uh, you know put a put a bunch of sunscreen on and bring a six pack and sure. You know, we're only bouldering today. <laughs> right, right. No, absolutely. And, and I mean, a lot of people just aren't even prepared for it. I mean, maybe they've got their bouldering pad because they're sleeping on it. Exactly. But, yeah, yeah. You know, because I've yeah. been in that same boat. You know, uh, two friends and I went up to to do this kind of remote climb called Winter Takes All. And uh, there's nothing else really around it. And we, we all climbed it relatively quickly uh, in the morning. And it's on these disappointment cliffs, which are kind of mid-Indian mid Creek, not very frequented. But it's cool. And you'll recognize this from having kind of been searching out boulders. But it's got one of those double talus cones. Oh, you know, yeah, where yeah. you go up and then it levels yeah, out. So you're going through the two different bands yeah. of sandstone. And, yeah, and yeah. you probably also know that the a lot of those boulders that you were probably searching out seem to like to sit up on that flat that flat zone up there. You, you know, know, there's a few different layers that are worth looking at for boulders there. Um, you know, the typical Wingate layer that most of the crack climbing is on. I mean that's there there's fabulous, fabulous bouldering in there. And and that's probably the majority of it. Just above that, I, I wanna say they call it a Bajo sandstone. It's a little bit wider, a little mm-hmm. bit uh well a little bit more weathered, I mm-hmm. should say, because I guess the Indian Creek sandstone is actually white underneath all the red. That's some sure. chemical reaction or something. But um, uh, a little bit softer above that, then right below the Wingate layer, there's a really dark, really compact maroon stuff. Uh-huh. And, uh, oh, man, that's 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 great rock. That's uh, It forms really good shapes. It, it cleaves really cleanly. And, uh, it's just so dense. It's, it's like climbing on a, a sharpening stone sometimes, uh-huh. you know, it's, it's real cool stuff. And then right below that, there's another layer that's sort of similar to, to Joe's Valley or, or Mill Creek or what have you, you know, like a, a gritty, uh, 
sort of a, a heavier grade sandpaper, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, fewer holds and so on. Few, fewer than few holds. But, uh, yeah, a really cool area because, you know, as you as you drop down into the canyon and make your way towards the river, basically, that runs through Canyonlands National Park, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're passing through all these different layers of sandstone in a, in a, in a pretty short distance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah you, can, you can really cover a lot of different kinds of rock right there. Yeah, and like you said, people had been there and done these kind of sort of rest day site bouldering sessions. And that's what I was getting at was that we actually ended up coming down, you know, by like 11 and then we started bouldering around. And and the reason I brought up that layer is for no other reason than I think a lot of the the Wingate blocks end up down there, but then they're on a nice flat surface, Yeah, you know, and all of a sudden we were bouldering without pads because we hadn't brought them out for the day, but you had a nice landing that was relatively soft. You know, we weren't going for it too hard, mostly stuff in our, in our approach shoes. But, uh, but yeah, you had those nice blocks just sitting on a nice flat sand surface on that, on up on that layer of, of the sandstone. And it kind of reminds me of where the wolf is in that it that it does that there that little step um, absolutely yeah. like the the best concentrations that I came across are are either on the benches like you say uh, kind of removed you know uh, lifted up from the road halfway up uh, you know on a little step on a talus mm-hmm. cone or in uh, in pretty much the the narrowest of canyons I right. guess you know just just anywhere they they get caught yeah <laughs> yeah and just I mean you look out and there's like I mean you know tens of thousands of boulders maybe but Again, like if they're up there halfway down a talus cone, I mean, where are you going to land? How are you going to set up? I mean, who knows? You well, know, like- you know, I mean, <clears throat> maybe maybe that's something that uh, that sort of affected, uh, let's call it the pace of development mm-hmm. out there, you know, in a way, uh, uh, apart from just the fact that it's a crack climbing area. But today it seems like, uh, you know, with places like Rocky Mountain National Park, again, or Mount Evans, uh, you know, landings are terrible now. It seems like you know, boulderings. Right. It's it's not really as simple as as maybe it used to be. You know, it's you climb a lot of long roof problems up in the park. Say, you know, twenty feet of roof climbing over uh, jumble italis, like you know, washers and dryers and microwaves and so on and so sure. forth. Yeah, it, it it definitely starts to starts to kind of change your perspective on on landings and so on. And and I think. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I've, I've been climbing an Indian Creek for a really, really long time and always saw these blocks, but never really thought that it would really be reasonable to, to boulder on some of them because mm-hmm. of landing concerns or be, because of height. So I don't know, maybe maybe a couple of years of climbing in the park or something like that just, just sort of changes your perspective, I guess. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's like the modern form of bouldering is, is terrifying to me. <laughs> I mean, in terms of that, like, you know, you and I... Uh, we've both been to Fontainebleau. You mentioned in that, that last little interview is when I asked you like what the greatest climbing area is that, that was your, that yeah, was your sure. go-to. Yeah. And I, you know, it was one of the first times that I went bouldering somewhere specifically to go bouldering other than, you know, an afternoon at Rotary Park that's, or something like that. A good choice. There's a big, big gap between those two. But yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, where I, you know, we, some friends and I in France, you know, we saddled up and that's what we were going to do for a few days. And you know, I also, it was one of the first times where I really connected with it and was like happily doing it all day long. And I mean, obviously it was a beautiful place, 
And but then also the landings. I mean, it's so like ready to be bouldered in. You know, totally. Yeah, it, that that place. One of the reasons that I think that it has such a a rich history of of climbing and bouldering is is because it's so convenient. I mean, yeah, it's it's really flat, and there's these really attractive shapes that are they're right there. They're right next to the road. They're in these really pretty parts of the forest and so on. And uh, yeah, I mean, you you definitely picked a good spot to. Uh, just sort of to find your bouldering self, you know, because the the movement's really engaging there. You know, it's 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 not quite just like uh, you know pull down and jump to some sure. really nasty hold that you don't really want to hold on to. You know, it's it, maybe it's a little more cerebral, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what appeals to me. Well, I I agree. Like it it was one of those times too where I had these moments of realizing that the difference between doing one of these problems and we're talking about, I don't know what, like the blue ones, whatever those kind of fit into. There's these circuits there with (laughs) sure, sure, like different colored problems that kind of fit into different grades. And the blue ones in particular seem to be a lot of body English. And where I realized that like it went from impossible to doable with a hip shift. Totally. You know, or with, uh, you know, squeezing my thumb on a hold where I was just crimping before. The red ones are the same way. It's just that, you know, yeah, <laughs> the holds are worse, but it also means that you have to move that much mm-hmm. better. You mm-hmm. know, it's not just that the holds are smaller or slopier or whatever. Mm-hmm. You just, there's like this whole other level to, to describing difficulty there. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I want to get back to Indian Creek too, but I'll finish too with this is, I was bouldering one evening. My friends had a meeting to go to, and so I was out by myself. and And uh, one of the you know local blue sod guys was was sort of bouldering in my general area. And these guys, you know, they don't use pads. They dude uses a little piece of carpet. It's got his rosin thing that he's whacking <laughs> the holes with. A little bag of rosin is the the thing that everyone used to use there. And so I'm I'm trying this problem. I'm trying this problem, and finally, like, send it. And not really noticing that this guy's been sort of hovering around me. And then... Yeah, he's watching you. <laughs> yeah, well, and he came up and, and you know, obviously I'm American guy. Like, I probably hadn't opened my mouth, but he can like tell. You were wearing like mouth. yellow sweatpants and like, again, a trucker's cap or something. <laughs> right. No, I think <laughs> I was... yelled when you got to the top. Yeah, Woo! Yeah. Uh, USA, USA, in your face. No, um, but he came up and he was like, yes, that is a very hard problem. Very good job. Yeah, yeah. I was just like... Nice. Was, yeah, I was nice. like, no way. A little guy, stamp of approval. Yeah, from the local dude. <laughs> Fit for export. And he was probably like 67 or something and like... For sure, yeah. You know, climbing like V8 or whatever. Absolutely. So, yeah. Every Thursday, there's this group of like four or five, six of them. And they're all these old school teachers. Uh, there's not a single one of them less than 65, I bet. But they all get together and they just walk circuits you know mm-hmm. you know problems up to 7b or so you know v7 mm-hmm. or whatever yeah right <laughs> yeah. totally all right well let me circle back to indian creek um you know a friend of mine and i were talking about because that video came out it's really captivating there was a lot of talk about it on the on the internet and as a guy who's like dealt through the friends of indian creek as well as my own personal climbing with increasing people down there and also talking to a guy you know for whom a solitary experience is a big part of your bouldering or being out there with just a few people, both my friend BJ and I were kind of like, whoa, you know, is this going to bring a whole new group of people down to an already kind of stressed place? You know, so where do you guys, where do you kind of fit in that? I mean, I, I don't, 
I, that wasn't like a reaction where I was like, God damn it. You know, what is he doing? It's, it's, you know, our area. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, and I thought about how the infrastructure down there is set up with trails to the cliffs and everything else. And this, should it be something that draws people could create a whole nother thing with new trails and new places, throwing pads and things like that. Absolutely. Something I was thinking about pretty much during the entirety of my stay there. You know, uh-huh. I, I mean, I was there uh, this winter. I was there for two months with about a one week break pretty much right in the middle and uh the whole time i'm i'm going to these boulders you know uh, over the years i've i've been to a lot of these spots and i've walked these same sort of little cow trails and drainages or whatever and it wasn't ever a big deal because it was just me and and no one else was going out there you know but uh the more time i spent out there this season and the more things that i found and cleaned and climbed and you know, I, I just started getting a bigger picture in my head of like basically how how good it is there, you know, uh, and really how special it is and, and particular and, and all of these things together are going to make it a draw, you mm-hmm. know. So, yeah, I mean, I, it definitely made me conscious of, uh, of, of where I was walking thinking sure. that, you know, somebody's going to follow my footprints and so on. Right. So, me and the handful of people that were kind of trying to put up these problems we we definitely paid a lot of attention to to where we were trying to establish our trails knowing that Mm -hmm. someday down the line this this could be an issue that's going to need some sort of uh, official dialogue or sure sure you know we're gonna nobody goes to boulder and indian creek you Mm -hmm. know and right now there's all these trails that go bang straight up to the cliff and then once you're along the cliff it's almost like anything goes you know it's 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 like river access in texas or whatever if it's navigable water you know go to town but you know if it's the minute the the stream changes or whatever you're trespassing you know sure so uh, uh, with all that stuff in my mind you know uh, it definitely got me thinking about uh about the future and about how you know, not only how landowners and and uh, let's just say crack climbers are going to react if a bunch of boulders <laughs> turn up Fucking out there, you know. <laughs> all stuck in their ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let, let's call it what it is: sport cracking. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the sport crack climbers. But you know, basically, right now it feels like it's it's a novelty. You know, somebody driving by sees me with my pad or whatever. They're like, <laughs> "What is that guy going to do?" You know, right? But. Uh, it is good and you know maybe it'll draw people maybe it won't but yeah i like i like solitary time myself a lot that's that's a that's a big part of my experience and you know aside from the the idea of the solitary experience and and obviously i promote climbing through this podcast certainly you know as a sponsored climber somebody who's you know you're here at five point with black diamond you know you promote climbing in your own way so i mean there's been an age-old sort of tug between the solitary experience and you know wanting to kind of get people excited about climbing and totally both of them feel good and you know we could spend a whole show on that which we probably should but let me ask you this about about uh bouldering culture because i'm not super familiar with it um boy when you talk about building these trails or trying to think your way through these these paths to get to these boulders because you know you have the cryptobiotic soil and you have a, a relatively uh, fragile existence out there in terms of uh, ecologically. I mean, again, we could talk about the cows and I'm <laughs> fucked up. They've already made it, but we can only be responsible for ourselves. What is the culture in bouldering? I mean, you know, again, I have a stereotype and I know it's wrong 
and I, I just think it's funny to continue keeping it, you know, of sort of a, of a group of people that aren't quite as maybe conscious of those sorts of things. I mean, I know like the pads piling up in Rocky Mountain National Park were sure, a problem and sure. all those sorts of things. Is there a culture where, where boulders will arrive with a consciousness of that sort of thing? Or? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I feel like, uh, it, in a way, pads aside, pads, that is, wow, that is the, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the Achilles heel right there. <laughs> right. But I, I feel like it's, it's almost a, a part of bouldering culture to, to try and be a little bit more, um, aware of, of the mark you're leaving behind. You know, people are, people are picking up their tape and, and, and their fruit stickers and their whatever wrappers and stuff like that. And they're trying not to, you know, cut down trees or, you know, limb something or whatever. Sure. Trying to be, well, another thing, you know, one of the things that helps that is going to places like Waco or, or to the buttermilks to where one is super tightly restricted and you, you basically have a, you know, <laughs> basically a federal officer telling you this is what you can and can't do, sure. you know, and so it's drilled into you that way. Or you can go out to, say, the Buttermilks, which is just this big sandy lot, and if you step off a trail, you leave a footprint that's really plain and evident, you know. Sure. So, I, you know, I, I feel like it's something that people do consider, but... uh Gosh, yeah, I've got nothing for the pad stashing. Sure. <laughs> People just do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, what does it take to climb Mount Everest too? you right, know? Right. Well, or I like, mean, let's you, talk about gear caches in like the Bugaboos or sure, the Ruth Gorge sure. or I don't know, so no, on and so forth. I, you know, I'm not necessarily like accusing no, I didn't, boulders I didn't take from, it as from that, my lofty you know? <laughs> place up above them. And, and uh-huh, you know, because, uh-huh. you know, let's take any creek, like every single one of those roots needs two bolts in it at the minimum to come sure, down. Sure. So along the cliff side, you know, you've got nests of, of webbing. I mean, we all have our transgressions. And, but at the same time, I think like with Indian Creek, you know, I've really for the last decade or so encouraged people to, you know, camouflage their anchors and use only steel, mm-hmm. realizing that we have this thing that we're, we're doing that's, I mean, truthfully leaving something behind in a wilderness. Sure. Although it's not a wilderness, but <laughs> leaving something behind in the natural world. And, you know, so you guys have, you know, this issue of pads and, and I guess it's just kind of like, how can we minimize it as a group in general? We've all got our few things that we've all used chalk you know, you know, it's unsightly or whatever, but I guess I'll just prey on one thing you said right there. I think it's not really a group thing, you know. I mean, it is important to organize and sort of uh, kind of come to a, 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 an ethical mean or or average mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. like that, to where you agree on things that you you sort of don't do. And uh, but really, it's up to an individual, you know. Sure. It, it's it's up to them to to say, all right, here's here's my experience and here's what I'm getting out of this. And as a result, I'm going to, I'm going to have some, some degree of, of respect or gratitude to this place that I, I get to experience it in. That's, um, that's something that'll move somebody, sure. I think, to take care of the spot that they're sure. in, I reckon. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it, in the end, it always has to be sort of this individual decision that you make in the moment of how you're going to interact. So, yeah. all right. Well, we kind of got off on this, this uh, Indian Creek tangent right away. I brought it in. And um, it's just kind of something that's been rolling around in the media. But can we back up and talk a little bit about you? Sure. As a, as a climber and as a person. So Why not? let me ask you the, the, the sort of standard question of how you ended up getting into climbing. Um, you mentioned to me before that you grew up or at least were born 
and started your your life in a very small town in Texas? Yeah, I was. Um, uh, yeah, well, right in the middle of Texas. I was born in uh, in a town of about uh, eight hundred people, and um, you know, it's just kind of a few little ranches and a river and. Yeah, not much going on out there. Lots of cypress trees. Tubing was pretty big, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> what did your folks do for a living? Uh, my dad worked for the highway department for a long time. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, my mom was just kind of, my mom, you right. know, we had a real real kind of traditional family, I would say. Sure. Like, <laughs> uh, well, so I was born pretty late. My folks are, they're older. You know, mm-hmm. my dad's now in his mid to late 80s. And uh, my mom's in her late seventies. Uh, I was born when she was oh forty one, and my sure. dad was forty seven. So basically, I was I was raised by these people from a totally different era. Uh huh. You know, like way different. Uh, my dad went to like a one room schoolhouse and spoke German in school until he was twelve. When somebody came down from the state of Texas and said, "Well, now we got to teach school in English in all these parts," you know, they're just living in this little farming community sure. in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah, I mean, uh, interesting upbringing, you know, <laughs> it's quiet, real, real tiny town with, mm-hmm. yeah, some people from, from a different set of values. I feel real lucky for that. So, are we talking like last picture show kind of scene? Have you seen that film? No, I don't no? know that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, what do we got? <laughs> you know, just small town Texas, like, yeah. you know, teenagers causing trouble because there's nothing else to uh, do kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, to, to some, to some degree. It, it's kind of funny because the town was so small. It wasn't like, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like your your average 70s stoner mode. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. going to keggers and stuff like that. Sure. Actually, no, that's a total lie. We, <laughs> now that I think about it, yeah, you know, that that was kind of the thing to do was to, to go to your assorted river crossings around the border of town or whatever and and drink. And, mm-hmm. and then that's, yeah, that was, yeah, but that's, that was Texas. That's I normal, and, though, because I lived in... I, I was I being li- a kid. Yeah. yeah you know. I lived in the suburbs and... If there was like one acre of woods, totally, we found it and drank in the middle of yes. it. And in fact, there was a there was a cornfield still, which is now condos and stuff. But you know, and when the corn got tall enough, we would That's stomp out to the middle season. of it and then stomp out a circle. And we're nice. like literally surrounded by neighborhoods, but nice. we could like hang out and party out in the middle of this cornfield because no one could see the us. first crop circles and whatever exactly yeah exactly. the weird little arms are where people went off to go take a leak yeah exactly yeah, totally so nice all right so you're you're in this town but uh yeah so so nothing to climb but cypress trees um the first thing i remember about rock climbing ever was from national geographic and um you know it was it was these dudes i think they were on k2 you know something mm-hmm. absolutely horrific it looked heinous you know in the big north face spacesuits, you know and they're 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 like aid climbing in a sideways snowstorm at who knows what elevation and who knows how long it took to walk back there with however many porters you know Mm -hmm. it was the 80s or early 80s and these guys are doing yeah god knows what i i want to say it was something on k2 but uh it looked so miserable and heinous and 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 totally opposite from the middle of texas you know right 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 right. yeah i was super pumped i immediately like took apart my mom's sewing kit and made like ropes and harnesses for all my gi joes and stuff and yeah that and that was uh that was where climbing started for me i guess you know Mm -hmm. i took my army surplus gear from from whatever store that i used for playing army in the woods and tried to make some climbing gear and 
climbed a bunch of trees. Aid climbed under my tree house, stuff like that, you know. Took some pr- pretty sweet grounders from some oak trees. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a ripped theme. a lot of gear out, yeah. This is a theme because I've talked to uh I've talked to Jeff Jackson, also growing up in Texas. Yeah, just and, up the road. Yeah, and talked to uh Dwayne Raleigh. You know, and and they all, they all kind of had the same story, like nice. piecing together a bunch of gear and then then falling and hitting the ground a yeah. few times. Maybe it's a regional thing. I don't know because <laughs> DR's from Oklahoma or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe it's a regional thing. <laughs> all right. So how'd you bust out of this town? So uh, my folks retired uh, when I was maybe a sophomore in high school and bought an RV. Did a pretty typical retired couple thing, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, to re- retired Texans. They bought an RV and we went to Colorado, you know, come on. Sure. Uh, I, I've been coming to Colorado since I was like uh, two weeks old. I got a couple sets of aunt and uncles that, you know, have property in Pagosa Springs or whatever, hunting cabins and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, um, yeah, I've been coming up here all my life. And I guess when I was 14, 15, we made the move to Durango and I finished high school there. At the time, I was into... Uh, to riding mountain bikes, and uh, this was 93, so wow, yeah, Durango was the place to be for sure. mountain biking, you know, every every hero in mountain biking lived there at the time. Uh-huh. It was super awesome, and uh, we had a uh, high school mountain bike team, and um, one of the guys on my team is doing these one finger on each hand pull-ups on a bar one day, just while we're waiting to go out for our ride. I was mm-hmm. totally blown away. And one of the other guys said, oh, well, you know, it doesn't count. He's a climber. Mm-hmm. I thought, huh, all right. You know, I, I thought it was pretty cool basically to do these one-figure pull-ups. And I kind of came back to climbing just to do that, I right. think. I don't know. Yeah, because at the time, you know, I was just riding bikes mm-hmm. and, and skateboarding. It's always kind of been a pretty big part of my life, even though I've never been good at it at all. So, yeah, from, from there, yeah, I got myself a little top rope rig and... A little bit of gear before I knew how to use it and pretty much just jumped into the ocean to learn how to swim. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's kind of a kind of a mess. But yeah, it was a good place to good place to learn. And did you say did you tell me that like one of your first or maybe even your first climbing trip was to the creek? Yeah, totally. Like uh the first time I ever, you know, packed up a rack mm-hmm. and, and went somewhere, it was actually gonna be a sort of a dirt bike riding trip. Uh we had these four stroke Enduros when I was uh just out of high school, me and a couple of friends of mine. What year about was this? Oh, man, 90, 96, 97. Okay, okay. Yeah. Probably. You're in your 30s? Yeah, I'm 36 now. Okay. Yeah, I'll be 37 in August. Gotcha. All right, yeah. so you're on this trip to, to Indian Creek. Yeah, trip to Indian Creek, you know, we're going to ride dirt bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, nobody's in Indian Creek. You can ride dirt bikes anywhere in sure. 96, <laughs> whatever. Right. But... Uh, my buddy says, hey, you know, I hear there's some climbing out there, too. I don't know anything about it, but maybe we should bring some gear along. So, yeah, yeah I've got this little Colorado rack of single cams, you know, and like a double rack of nuts, you know. So, sure. Yeah, yeah. Brought all that stuff along. And, you know, that got us up like five climbs, you know. I was only looking at certain depth on maybe two of them, I sure, guess. Sure, sure, yeah. But yeah, you know, we, we we did what we could. Right. And then after that, we just went bouldering. I mean, one of the things that you're known for is developing a lot of the of the bouldering around Durango. When did you start first start checking that out? That, you know, I mean, I started bouldering around Durango when I was still in high school. So yeah, I guess like uh, 93. And then probably the bulk of it, 
at the end of the 90s into maybe 2002, right up until about 2004, uh, I lived there, and I think oh three oh four is when I moved up to Boulder. Okay, so th- that was just kind of part of life, you know. Um, D- Durango's an interesting town in that it's it's really convenient, like we were talking about earlier. It's 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 a dream, you know. You're you're five minutes from climbing, mm-hmm. uh, be it you know trad or sport or bouldering or there are tons of bouldering there. Just these little areas, you know, and you you, you can ride your bike to any one of them. You can ride a trolley to half of them so it, it's really convenient if you have time on your hands or what do you mean a after trolley? work like literally a trolley like san francisco there's a trolley shit. yeah it's a trolley it, oh. you know it runs on gas there's no shit. rails or anything you oh, know right. but yeah you hop on the trolley and you ride to one into town i think it's free even right. still oh you cool know? and yeah you can just ride. i haven't hung out there no- enough to know about the trolley oh you walk out of the coffee shop coffee in hand and bouldering pad over one shoulder and Onto the, on trolley. the trolley and get nice. off at the boulders. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> pretty cool. It's convenient, you know. So um, at the time, there wasn't much developed, and there's all this rock of varying qualities and in different little areas that are all pretty close to town. So, I mean, I, I had some time on my hands, and I just started walking around and looking for stuff. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was there long enough. I was there 13 years that I got to grow as a climber there and just sort of the whole way pick plums Mm -hmm. for years. Right. And uh, still do, you know, I mean, after 13 years, when I moved up to Boulder, I was a little sick of the place. I was kind of like, ah, you know, I've done everything I can do in Durango, except for these couple projects, you know, that I'll never do. And since then, you know, I've gone back to Durango. I've done all those projects. I've I've found like I don't know how many more. Like sure. it's, it's <laughs> every time I go back, there's there's kind of like this little rebirth, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. So I I, I kind of want to like I said, you, you're sort of my gateway boulderer. For whatever reason, it's not something I've super connected with. My background, I guess, was imagining in the beginning myself as a mountaineer, you know, and climbing the biggest things. And that sort of got compressed because I found out I didn't really like to climb snow and ice and things like that that much. Yeah, I know what you mean. But at the same time, you know, uh, growing up as a climber, so to speak, in Fort Collins, bouldering was always there. I mean, it was it was really almost the first thing I did. Sure, horse tooth is right there. Horse tooth. That's your only after work. Yeah, and they hadn't bulldozed over the tropics yet. Huh. which is maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about. I, I've heard of them, but yeah. Yeah, I've never seen them. Yeah, I was no. below one of the, the, the dam furthest to the north. So that was actually no. the closest thing to town. But then they beefed the dam up and like covered everything over with, with gravel. So, But nevertheless, I mean, it's still, you know, I was of this mind that it was this thing that you did to prepare to climb bigger things. Sure, I, I mean, sure. in, in a way, the way Fontainebleau uh, is also, those circuits were created my understanding is that they wanted to create essentially these long climbs on these small boulders. Yeah, some of those things you you actually don't touch the ground. Sure, for the entirety of the circuit. Yeah, because they were training for the Alps or whatever it right. happened to be. Yeah. So as a person, I think who's who's sort of willing to examine the deeper meanings behind things, you sort of strike me as that guy. Like, can you tell me, or have you ever really put it into words, like what it is about bouldering that's just draws you in bridge the gap here yeah (laughs) and and makes you um i don't know just makes you so inspired to go and do it while i on the other hand i can't get over that i'm like 
oh, this is something I'm going to do in the meantime. Right. Do you know what I mean? So, Absolutely. So try to, try to, you know, not that you need another boulder in the world necessarily, <laughs> but, you know, imagine you're trying to convince me to be a boulderer. Well, all right, sure enough. Or, or we, not even that. Like, tell me why you it do it. So I started climbing in a, in a really similar way as, as, as the one you just illustrated sure. there. You know, I... I um, my my first exposure to climbing was was some dude just hating his way up let's say it was k2 and and i was so psyched you know that looked so cool you know so when i started climbing that's that's where i was headed you know, i wanted i want to climb the eiger you know i want to climb fill in the blank you know all of them the fishtail peak or some something big and bad in, in pakistan or something sure. so um kind of what drew me to those things is their shapes you know you 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 look at uh, you look at these mountains you know and you're like wow that's <laughs> that's obviously a big draw you know uh the, this guy know um, well matt siegel when he when he came back from his first trip from the himalayas he was like you know i never really got mountaineering but when you stand there and you look at them you're like yeah i get it you know they're these amazing shapes you know sure. like uh what is it? A uh, golden pillar of Spantic? Is that it? Spantic? I think it's called. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Unbelievable thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. this massive, massive thing. It's the size of like two L caps and it must top out at like 40,000 feet. I don't know. You know, it doesn't, sure. you know, I don't know. Amazing, amazing thing. For me, like a, a, a boulder is, is, is that shape, you know, and every single move on something that you're climbing on that's at your limit or near your limit and maybe it hasn't been done before uh, you, you, you don't know if it goes whatever every single move is it's like another handful of pitches or whatever in a way it's 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 moving up this this shape the mm-hmm. shape is what draws me you know and it's yeah it's real uh it's real dependent on aesthetics like like the the things that I choose to climb, like the things that draw me mm-hmm. to try and climb, I guess. Um, you know, you, you, I try to find something pretty in this particular cool setting or whatever, you know. And uh, movement's cool, but you know, I, I I I'd climb some terrible moves if the line looks really pretty, you know. But you, you can be the best moves in the world and and be on some turd. I, I don't want to climb it, you know. Sure. I, I I climb with my eyes open, you know. So I I want to I want to do these things that uh that just have this this appeal, this this uh this aesthetic draw. This um you kind of want to ride the line of an arete, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, an arete. Easiest way to put it, you know, sure. or a totally blank slab. You, you look at it and you're like, there's no damn holds on that thing. You How do you do it? You can't do it. You know, and, and that's that, that's an interesting puzzle for me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like that kind of thing. That's that's what draws me is the shape for the sake of itself. And then, you know, added bonus if it if it doesn't look like it pos- it's possible, but, but it actually is. <laughs> sure. So, yeah, yeah. So, Take those big mountains and squeeze them down. Right. So it's know. like these little miniature versions of that. Absolutely. Except whenever, you know, it goes bad, you can just pack your shit up and get out of there. Right. You know, get you back on the home. trolley. Yeah. I'm going back to the coffee shop. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You, you, and there's no gear to like, uh-huh. oh, no, but I got to go get the anchor down or what? You, know? <laughs> you just walk away. Well, examining my problem, you know, one of the <laughs> things 
Because it is a problem because <laughs> I realize even as, as a rope climber, whether I'm sport climbing, sport crack climbing or whatever, you know, I know that being a better boulderer and spending some time like really getting into it would, would make me better at everything. Oh, you and, crush. Yeah. And for me, <laughs> being better at, at climbing is really at this point opening up possibilities. That's what I, you know people get caught up in being good at climbing for all sorts of reasons. And right at this moment or, or at this point in my life, it's, it's that I can go and climb more things, you know, Andrew Bicharat sort of opened my eyes to that in some discussions of like, it just means you get to choose from a whole bunch of different routes because it's you, it's a lot deeper well yeah. to draw from. So sure. I yeah. realize that I should get stoked. And every once in a while, I kind of like this little crack opens, you know, like in Fontainebleau or whatever. And I'm like, okay, this is it. And then it, it sort of dies away. My problem, I think, is is I don't know that I deal with the frustration that well. <laughs> and what I mean when I say yeah. frustration is being willing to to make such you know such incrementally small progress over time. I think I I I just feel like, and I feel like I'm not alone in that. You know, you know, I don't even I, have, I don't even know why they call it a kind of climbing. It's more like falling you know because you're, you're yeah you're failing like 85 percent of the more like 90 percent of the time you're failing you know so yeah i yeah I'm and, and i don't think that's that that different <laughs> yeah. in sport climbing but at least you've gotten to climb like the the 35 feet up sure, to get to sure. the crux you, you know? know one of the like, biggest things i've noticed that's a that's a, a difference between um now that we now we can say sport climbers and boulders sure. instead of trad climbers and boulders um is it, I feel like uh, sport climbers, they feel like they're trying hard when they're tired, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. But if you're, uh, you know, a, a boulder, period, you you know when you're trying hard because you're about to hurt yourself or, uh, you know, something is hurt or you're doing some party trick of a move that mm -hmm. you have to figure out. And, th and that's trying hard, you know? Sure. It's not, it's not like... Uh, it's not like a running kind of tired. Like, sure. oh, I just ran like three miles and, you know. <laughs> right. I wanted to run three and a half, but hey, at least I ran three, you know. But I feel like bouldering, on the other hand, it's like, well, I needed to get the piano up the stairs and I didn't. Right. Period. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, because. Like, I, mean, I didn't get it three quarters of the way up the stairs. I just didn't move that piano. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's anybody who sport climbs has been through this feeling of like, yeah, it, the moves individually, we always talk about that. They're not such a big deal. Like yeah. if I could come off the hang, I can Most do this thing. Most frustrating thing about sport yeah. climbing for me. <laughs> right. It, it, and yet, yeah, I guess it, I, I, so I don't know. I mean, do you think you're sort of suited to this, this idea of this, like this infinitesimally small, you know, moments of progress or are you... Or do you have some sort of mental game that you're that you're using to to deal with that? Because I don't think I think dealing with frustration is probably like you know one of these things that you know would help us in all different aspects of our lives. And I just know that feeling where I have of like this is impossible for me, and then I stop trying. You know, sure. like I I reach that threshold of saying that like there's no way I'm ever going to do this. And again, in Font, I had that moment of realizing like, oh, wait, I'm just hitting my head against this wall, but I don't need to be. I can I can just move. And it's very easy with all climbing to say, oh, I'm just not strong enough, you know, and I got to go do more pull-ups. And again, that, that moment there was this moment where I said, no, this is totally technique. Sure. But 
that's an intellectual response to that. My sort of visceral response is like, ah, I'm too weak and I'm done with this. Yeah. Forget it. See, I don't, I don't feel that way. I mean, uh, personally, uh, I've never, uh, I've never trained for mm-hmm. climbing. I don't, I don't like, I don't, I don't really have that much fun in the gym. I usually hurt myself, you know, and uh, any kind of actual, you know, exercise or pull-ups or hangboard stuff or whatever sit-ups. Sure. It's boring. You know, it doesn't. Uh, you know, it just doesn't inspire me. So I, I, I never feel like I, I really approach things. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't go out and do something with a goal in mind. You know, another goal. I don't, uh, I don't cross train. You know, right? I, I guess I, I uh, go for things goal by goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. You're getting up there, though, buddy. <laughs> You're gonna have to start training at some point, I think. Yeah, maybe. I guess I do a little bit now, um, but it's mostly just because uh, I gotta do stuff to take care of injuries, sure. things like that. Sure, yeah. And you just came off of a of a kind of a season of man, of a bit and of injury. I just got another one too. And it's did not, you really? Yeah, it's not so bad though. It's just a little finger, and I think it'll go away. The finger, pretty soon. And yeah. the previous one was a shoulder. Yeah, a pretty big shoulder. Um, I had uh, just come back from my last trip to Font, and. Uh, Amazing trip, like best trip of my life. I climbed uh, something I've been working on for a long time. It's the hardest thing I've ever climbed. And then, uh, you know, I came back to Colorado to a, a really wet spring. And so I was just helping out setting roots in the gym, kind of messing around and hurt my shoulder pretty good. You know, I've got, I've got two tears in my labrum and a partial thickness tear of my infraspinatus tendon. And, uh, yeah, it, it, I took like four months off of climbing. It was most most time I've ever taken off right from climbing, which yeah, was was pretty weird. Right. Yeah. So, how did you end up dealing with that? Uh, I rode my bike <laughs> mostly. Um, I I didn't really deal with it very well actually. I <laughs> it was kind of a uh, it was so uh, it was so heavy. It it really kind of took a lot away from me <laughs> you know i sort of i found myself not thinking as a climber anymore because i was sort of trying to get ready for some prognosis or something that would come out someday saying well i'm sorry you're just not going to be able to climb as hard as you want to ever again you know i mean if you really work at it you'll maybe be able to do v6s or something someday <laughs> right. like oh god what what you do know? you mean you weren't thinking as a climber you weren't thinking that you'd I, I just continue gave, being a climber. I gave or? it up in in my life just so right. I could deal with the fact that I was injured. You know, right. it was it was weird. You know, I, I realized you know four months uh, to some people they're like whatever. You know, that's not that bad. Right, it, absolutely unheard of for me. Like right. when 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 I first started climbing, I never took rest days. I climbed two years in a row every single day. You know, I and I just never. I, I rest, you know, when I need to, mm-hmm. and uh, up until that point, the worst injury I'd ever had, you know, I was out maybe two weeks sure. or something. Oh, and it was dark, you know, it right. was so bad. But this, uh, it seemed so bad that I really just had to change my perspective on on how I viewed myself and how I viewed climbing, just to just to sort of deal with it in a way, right. you know, like I would walk past. Uh, the coffee table in our living room and see a climbing magazine on it. And it, 
And it looked kind of stupid to me, you know? Like, I'd see someone on the cover, you know, the cover of a magazine. Right, right. It's obviously a beautiful shot. It's on right. the freaking cover, you know? Somewhere beautiful and somebody doing something sick. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you looking for? You know, what are you... What are you doing? You know, it just didn't even make any sense. Yeah, but to what me, what, what had you come up with as, as an alternative? Uh, I guess I tried to fill the hole with bikes. Okay, you know, um, so that made more sense. Uh, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I go ride exactly. your skateboard again. Exactly. No, and that's what I did too. Yeah, that's what I did. Well, it's funny because I always I always make this joke when people talk about like you know stopping climbing or whatever, and uh, you know I always reference the the um. Back to the Future movies, okay. where in the first one, when the past started to change, he started to fade out of the picture. Okay, you know, do you remember this? Sure. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And that's like, I feel like if I stopped climbing, that would like happen to me. <laughs> like, I would just like <laughs> the, the guitar would start right. Playing funny, yeah, exactly. You know? Hey, are you okay, man? <laughs> and all these pictures I have of myself, people would just find like you know, he it would just, just be disappear. a picture of El Cap instead of me <laughs> on El Cap. They'll be like, why does he have all these pictures of rock walls with nobody uh-huh. on them? Because uh-huh. I would just like my personality would just dissipate, and, and pretty soon people would just be like. Didn't this, wasn't there this guy that used to live here? He's totally. just like gone. Um, I'd be afraid of, um, <laughs> I'd be afraid of losing the ability to see lines. Uh-huh. That would freak me out. Like, um, uh, well, uh, I remember the first time that, that I, uh, that I sort of got rock climbing. It was in, uh, in Turtle Lake in Durango. And we'd go to this little, this tiny little boulder garden, like four miles from town. You know, it was really close. Me and all the skateboard hoodlum friends, we'd climb up on these boulders, you know, and mm-hmm. take four minutes and 20 seconds for ourselves, you know, and just sort of hang out. Sure. And uh, just sort of a, a rare boulder around there every now and again. There weren't that many people giving bouldering you, at the time. Giving you crusty looks. Yeah, you know, and just <laughs> quietly just crushing, you know, no pad or right. whatever and just doing stuff. And I was so blown away. By this guy climbing this, you know, this overhanging, turns out it's like a V2 or something like Mm -hmm. that, blown away that he could just move up this overhang so effortlessly and smoothly, especially when I tried to pull on and try these moves. Sure. But anyways, you know, he pointed out some hands and feet and was like, here's this line, here's this line, this one's a little harder than this one, so on and so forth. And it was instantaneous, like I got it, you know, and I, I remember walking through the boulders after that, through this little boulder garden. And seeing lines, you know, ones that hadn't been done even, you know, you can connect these holds, you know, or this, why can't you go from this arete over to these holds and so on and so forth. And yeah. And since then, you know, you you can't look at a rock or a cliff or whatever without sort of seeing the passage or something. Can you you imagine that going away? Well, that's interesting. And it's just a rock after, you know. It's interesting that you even bring that up because, you know, I guess I just assume you know, I never really thought about it, but that that was innate in everybody. But of course, it's not, Hell and that's no. one of the things that. That's how you get like, like, don't you know you can walk up the back here? Right, you know? exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Guess, and just uh, they just want to get on top. The idea of the line within a boulder. So, yeah. so that was like a an eye opening experience for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That was big time. Uh, that kicked off life. Well, it's part in, two. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting that you say that too, because I. I always have this, uh, I have a moment in life where I was, uh, I was kind of a motocross kid. Oh, okay. So, you, you, yeah, yeah. yeah, you can a little, understand that. A little that. bit of that myself, yeah. And then I was at the same time sort of this like outdoorsy kid and, you know, there was, you know, I don't have to get into it too much, but there was, you know, these moments I can cite where that was divided in a path. 
Sure. And not a hundred percent, you know, obviously you can be an outdoorsy person, ride motorcycles or whatever, but whether or not I was going to delve deeply into which lifestyle for sure. I mean, they're they're, chosen or are you going to grow up and be a hunter, right? You know, or are you going to grow up to be a bird watcher or a canoeer or whatever? Like what? finding your path or whatever for me it was all about like well just like when we would go to these spots initially you know we just wanted to go somewhere and smoke a bowl somewhere cool sure, you sure. know right right so like for for me going to the mountains was was super obvious you know mm-hmm. like and climbing was even more obvious. Wow, dude we can climb up like three pitches and we'll be on this amazing ledge and we can hang out up there sure you know and that that was the whole draw is to go to these cool places and I mean, yeah, uh, I I wouldn't have been to a tenth of the places I've been to without uh-huh. climbing. You know, uh-huh. it gave me a reason to to go somewhere. You know, right? I've seen a lot of cool stuff because of it. Let's wrap up with that. Uh, we're talking. You said you're 36. You've been climbing since high school, roughly. You about, know, about 20 years. About, uh, 20, 20 years this summer. Right. Yeah. You're you're managing now to be a full time climber, so to speak, as it were. Mm-hmm. you're making faces <laughs> you have to once a while pound a nail or two or what yeah stuff like yeah, that yeah cut, totally. cut, cut down a tree yeah. or, or make a make a concrete but, sink or something like that yeah. you know what have but you. nevertheless you know you're yeah, you're, yeah. you're sort of living the lifestyle so as a 36 year old looking at kind of uh what your goals are now what what's uh what's sort of in your mind in terms of you know what's next in terms of your continuing this path that we just talked about this thing that you chose 20 years ago to start going down well um you know for years i've said well yeah climbing's my my life climbing's my way it's my yoga whatever it's my martial art and all this stuff and uh then when i blew up my shoulder and was looking at hey you might not be able to climb anymore i thought (laughs) great you know my 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 whole religion the, is just evaporated. You know, picture, it's gone. The, the picture's yeah. fading. <laughs> There's no Santa Claus. You know, it's over. So uh, now that I've got over that, uh, and I've got a whole new perspective on injury. You know, with this little finger tweak, six weeks is like nothing. <laughs> but um, with that in mind, it, it's sort of reinforced that you know, climbing climbing's for my life. It's it's something that I'm going to do. And the coolest thing about climbing is that there's so many different kinds. If you get a little tired of one or you need a little change, you can do you can do another type entirely. And and after two months in the creek, climbing all these boulders, I did lift my head up every now and again, you know, and look back at the cliffs a lot. Mm-hmm. There's there's a number of, of routes I wanna do there, stuff that's already established, and there's a number of routes that I saw there that I wanna clean and climb, you know, stuff that kind of is a little bit more of a, oh, you know, maybe Lincoln cracks or maybe you're climbing some rets or something, sure. you know, whatever. But yeah, basically, I guess my answer is, is the, the pendulum feels like it's kind of starting to swing back the other way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think more about climbing on a rope. Sure. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this summer. I want to, want to spend some time up around Mount Evans and clean and climb some routes that I I've been looking at over the last couple of years and yeah, you know, I, I, I usually have like, uh, <laughs> I got a really big stash of stuff that I sort of save for, for when the time's right, uh-huh. you know? And so, yeah, I guess, I guess I'm just sort of getting ready to break into a different little stash. Maybe, mm-hmm. a, maybe a different, totally into something else. Now. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, everything has its sort of ebb and flow, I guess is what I'm getting at. And, you know, it's obviously 
performance changes. I'm 43, you're 36, performance starts to change. You know, these these intense movements on bouldering, like, uh, it just seems like maybe it can't last yeah. totally forever. Well, maybe. It's hard to say. I mean, right. the cool thing about bouldering is is it's so specific according to every single person and, right. their, and their their physiology, their sure. biology, their their genetics, whatever. You've been called a, a compression savant. It, a savant, huh? <laughs> savant. That's a direct co- quote. Fabulous. <laughs> I'm going to look up savant. I don't, yeah, I don't, I I can't help but put the word idiot in whenever I hear. Yeah, well, it's usually preceded I'm not not really good at anything else is what we're. (laughs) I was trying to be cool. Uh, uh, Well. Anyway, sorry, you were talking about your physiology. (laughs) Yeah. So, I want to say that you can, you can continue to climb hard as you get older. But yeah, I'm not going to tell you that I haven't, you know, freaked out about it and and been like, wow, I've had a couple big injuries in the last couple of years and you know there's no coincidence that i've passed 35 or whatever sure. you know but at at the same time you know there's uh there's guys back to font who climbed their first v11s in the first eight days mm-hmm. at 65 sure and you know and they do another one a couple of years later i i like to my favorite my the, the thing that bolsters me most is thinking back uh to like old kung fu artists you know like real masters back in the day you know and they would always say like uh well don't mess with that guy he's in his 50s you know he's he really knows what he's about he's a real right. master you right know? so that's what i'm hoping for is you know <laughs> just sort of keep refining and and really the way that the way that i approach climbing i feel like and, and movement it, it like i said it's not really through training and i feel like i i want to i want to climb smarter i don't want to just get stronger you know mm-hmm. i've had a labor job i've dug ditches and moved rocks and stacked them and cut down trees and all this stuff and you know i, I know what it's like to be strong and i want to i want to be smarter mm-hmm. you know i want to climb smarter and i mean <laughs> yeah I, I i'm 36 but i climbed my first v15 at 36 that carries on, I guess. Right, right, <laughs> you know? right, right. But yeah, if you pick your problems and you pick your style, sure. I think there's no reason that you can't climb near your limit mm-hmm. for years and years and years, you know? And that's what I like to hear. Yeah, that's right? Encouraging. You know, that's encouraging. That's, that's, it's bolstering, isn't right, it? Yeah, right. it make you feel okay, you know? And if nothing else, you know, it's it's bouldering, so you could just hop back in your car if it doesn't work yeah. out and, you know, drive away. I just have this theory that I never plumbed the depths of my potential when I was younger, so I still have a ways to go because I was so lazy back then. Yeah, so yeah, good. It's be. working. Out. I thought yeah. it was, I, you know, I was embarrassed about it then, but now it's working out great. Yeah, actually. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> I, I, I've exactly. saved some potential for my forties. Is the, what I uh, feel like. Right. Good. Good. <laughs> All right, Chris. Well, we've been going at this for quite some time, and uh, I think we covered a lot of good ground. I really appreciate you coming and sitting down in the. Uh, in the living room slash kitchen. Congratulations uh, on your new place. Yeah, thanks, yeah, man. Yeah, thanks yeah. a lot. And uh, again, welcome to Carbondale. We got a bunch of fun in the next few days at Five Point. You're going to be running the bar over there. Yeah, I'm going to be pouring beer for the next uh, three nights. All right. Like uh, like a regular shift. Nice. Yeah, it's going to be a blast. Good. There's a whole bunch of BT athletes going to be there. Um, the, yeah, I, I like going to these events, especially... Especially BD events, you know, anything that, that they have such a presence at because, uh, 
you know, we've, we've got all these skiers and sport climbers and trad climbers and ice and mixed climbers and, you know, me the boulder or whatever. It's kind of interesting to, like, hang out with all these different folks who are just really good at whatever they do that, you know, it's so different from whatever you do. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Right on. Well, thanks a lot, Chris. Thank you. All right, then. That wasn't so hard, was it? We found some things to talk about, some common ground. I mean, Indian Creek, I know. Anybody playing the drinking game is completely shit-faced by now. Caloose found a way to get it back to Indian Creek. I know, I know. It's pretty bad. But he's the one that made the video. Anyhow, sky's the limit now. Who's next? Who's next, boulderers? Come and talk to me. You know, I actually saw Daniel Woods at Five Point for like 45 seconds and made the pitch. He just looked sort of confused. Come on. Come on the show. Where's Dave Graham? Where's Daniel Woods? Where's Clem Lostcott? Fuck yeah. I want to talk to Clem. Yeah. I want to talk to that guy. Who knows that guy? Somebody put me in touch, man. Talk about soul. That dude's got soul. All right. Coming up in July, remember, International Climbing Festival in Lander. The normal cast will be in attendance. Hopefully the mobile studio will be there. Provided it makes it in one piece. Last year on the way home, I blew out an axle bearing. But uh, she's ready to make the journey again this year. See you next time for episode 59, where I finally bag one of the most elusive creatures Enorma Cass has ever tried to stalk. The artist. Climber. Storming out of KC. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. And if you don't, tune in next time. And if you have packed up the pads... Put them away and gotten your rope out. Please, 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 don't forget to check your knot. I need a volunteer. Bow your sensei. Bow to your sensei! Okay, now watch this. I'm just gonna break the wrist and walk away. Break the wrist, walk away. Jeez.